Welcome in to Locked On Knicks, Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here, and we are continuing our player previews for this upcoming season. We have a important, although hard to diagnose player today, Gavin. We are going to be getting in to Obi Toppin, trying to preview his 2021 to 2022 season. Yeah, Alex, we talk about his late season jump, just how real and significant those improvements were. Um, we, we get into the statistics that defined his season, including some surprising areas of success. Uh, you brought this up, but could he potentially end up being what we imagined Kevin Knox would be at his best? And finally, um, we ask, are, are his best years going to be on another team now that Julius is locked in and cemented as the next power forward for the next couple of seasons? All that and more right now on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. Here he comes right now. Starts with a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up, up left. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. And he's out. Anthony for three. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. I am Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Nick's site, The Strickland, which I must remind again, we just launched a Patreon this week along with the revamped merch store. So definitely check out the strick.land for that. And I'll also be covering the Knicks for Clutch Points this year. And he is Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. And today, as we said, we are talking about Obi Toppin. And... Gavin, I, I, I'll just give the, you know, we start all these off with just the counting stats with Obi, not particularly compelling, but it, there's some, some stats, which I'll, I'll just give like a quick stat dump real quick, and then I'll throw it to you so we can start the conversation. But uh, his counting stats last year, 11 minutes, 4.1 points per game, 2.2 rebounds per game. His shooting splits were 49.8% from the field, 30.6% from three and 73.1% from the free throw line. Um, his positional versatility. So I've, I've, I used this score for the centers too. And I was actually a little more curious about this with Obi because basketball index does a breakdown of what positions a player defended the most or just defended period by percentage, and then gives them a score out of a hundred for what their positional versatility is. The lower end of players tend to score around 50 the highest players score, you know, in the 90s because you want to have a higher score that basically says that you're more versatile, you can defend more positions on the floor, and you do it consistently. Uh, Obi surprisingly landed at a 63.7. If uh, if everybody remembers, the Knicks centers were very low on this this scale when we did uh, the Noel and Taj preview the other day. Those two were more around a score of 50. So the fact that Obi is at a 63.7 actually says that he was pretty versatile in who he was able to defend last year. He spent most of his time defending fours. Surprisingly, or maybe not surprisingly, the second highest position that he defended was threes. So he actually defended small forwards 
more than he defended centers, as much as we talked about him potentially being a, a small ball five last year. So that's something to consider, which we'll revisit a little later in the episode. But he also spent, uh, you know, an okay amount of time, more than I thought, guarding twos. Uh, and, and that led to him having that score of a 63.7, which, again, really not too bad. Um, that means that he, he was just, uh, you know, it's not as high as Randall, for example. Like, Randall had a, a higher score than he did. I will have the number for the Randall preview episode. I think his was something more like in the 70s or maybe even up to 80. Um, but he still, he did a pretty admirable job of switching on to threes and by the eye test did a, a pretty good job of keeping them from getting to the hoop. Um, I'll, I, I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't, uh, throw out his summer league stats as well. Cause he did have a very good summer league for himself. 21 points per game, 8.3 rebounds per game, 1.3 assists per game, 1.3 steals per game and 0.8 blocks per game in summer league on 44 and a half percent from the field, 34.3% from three. 88.9% from the free throw line. And make no mistake, he got to the free throw line a pretty decent amount. So that is not a fluky number there. Uh, and these were a couple, uh, just a couple cleaning the glass numbers, Gavin. And then I'll throw it to you. Uh, Obi finished in the 75th percentile among forwards at the rim last year at 67% per cleaning the glass. And that was honestly pretty surprising to me that he finished in the 66th percentile. Uh, that means... You know, approximately he was better than two thirds of players in the NBA as far as finishing at the rim. Uh, I should say not players in the NBA, but forwards in the NBA at finishing at the rim. So that's pretty solid to me. Uh, He was also or I'm sorry, 75th percentile. So he was better than three quarters. I was jumping the gun to the next number. 66th percentile in effective field goal percentage among forwards at 55 percent and 77th percentile in mid range shooting at 47 percent among forwards then the point this is probably the sticking point and this is I guess where we should start the discussion about what his role should be what he needs to improve upon this year that sort of thing he finished in the 21st percentile in three-point percentage which is not good among forwards Uh, that means that he's he's in the bottom one-fifth of the league basically uh, among forwards as far as three-point shooting is concerned shooting 30 percent and that's I think the best point to start on Gavin, because his main role last year by and large was to be a spot up shooter when he was on the floor, at least during the early parts of the season, it seemed like that was what the Knicks wanted to get going with him first. And then they would let everything else fall into place later. But the only problem was, was that he went through stretches where I feel like he couldn't hit a three for like five, six games at a time. And I don't know if the numbers bear that out, but you know, it's just, that's just how it felt. Like it it felt like he couldn't, he couldn't throw the ball in the ocean from the three-point line for large stretches of time, and then you would get hot for a game or two, and then it would be right back to being cooled off again. Now, we saw some improvements from his three-point shot in in Summer League, I think, in in the way that his form is. It seems like he's shooting more of a straight-line shot rather than the, the super-arcing rainbow shot that he was shooting last year, which should help him if he can get the the timing and the accuracy down. But I don't know. What are your, what are your general thoughts on Obi going into this season, like, should they start looking into using him different ways, maybe more as a cutter or something, or should they just kind of keep drilling this three point thing until it happens and, and hope that that can kind of be the, the nexus of where everything branches out from for OB. I I just think his usage has to be more multifaceted because that's what he was pitched as coming out of college was he, he was this NBA ready offensive player and that he could do 
a lot of different things on, on the offensive end and, and find success. He was a high-level passer, high-level rim runner, had the three-point shot, had the transition game. Um, what wasn't really great off the handle, but had, had a post game. And then when he actually came into the NBA, we saw the vast majority of those skills outside of his ability to just like jump very high, catch the ball and dunk it. were not really quite at an NBA level. Like his shooting to your point was, was atrocious. Like we, we always cited it from the corners where he would shoot those moon balls that would end up like nine to 10 feet away from the rim when they actually landed. And it, it started looking better and better as the year went on. But there was still a lot of inconsistency there. And then in summer league, I think we saw a guy who was a significantly improved shooter. Like that that 34% was on high volume. Like he, he was taking high degree of difficulty threes. And I think that was indicative that the Knicks do plan on using him the same way. And and they said, hey, we need you to stretch this skill to its fullest capability in this setting. And then we'll we'll pare it down a little bit in the regular season. We'll see what you got. You, you shoot it well, you'll you'll get more of them. But to me, that's that's too limiting. Like his role is already finite just because Julius Randle's on the roster. You, you can't make his diversity of usage finite as well. Like he like he has to be used in pick and rolls occasionally this year. And again, that's it's a bit of a problem because he's inevitably almost always going to be playing with one of Nerlens Noel or Mitchell Robinson. And and that brings up our, our age old question: uh, Could could we see him play with Julius Randle? a bit more this season. And that, that's something I certainly hope for. Um, Tibbs was sort of um, non-committal, but I, I believe said he was looking at it when he was asked about it at media day. Um, and I, I know he, he kind of implied that there was just a lack of, a lack of rim protection there, which is certainly true, but I'm fascinated if that's the skill that Obi improved on. It's, it's not one we really got to see him use in summer league. So I, I all that is a, a long-winded way of saying, I have my doubts that Obi will actually get a chance to play center and work consistently as a rim runner. But I hope even if Noel's in there or Mitch is in there, the Knicks find a way to clear those guys out and let Obi work in the pick and roll. And curiously, we did see a quote from Nerlens Noel um, at media day saying that he was told by the Knicks over the summer to work on his corner three and have that be a shootable shot for him this offseason. If I were to guess, I really I think that was the idea of using Obi as at what he was literally far and away the best at coming to the NBA, which is slipping a screen, rolling to the basket, getting dunks, and, and the few opportunities he got doing that last year, it, it felt like he he always got open, and, and his speed uh, on top of his leaping ability was, was probably his single greatest asset as a player last year. Um, Alex, I want to I want to continue the conversation and, and and dive into that that interesting Kevin Knox comparison you had. But first, I think we should tell the good people about Sleeper. In 2018, the fantasy sports experts at Sleeper realized that fantasy basketball was broken. Games were being won and lost based on whose players had more scheduled games that week. It made no sense and required very little strategy. So in 2020, Sleeper released a brand new way of playing fantasy basketball. It's called Game Pick, and it's only available on Sleeper. In Game Pick, owners pick a single game per week for each starter to count towards their team's total score ensuring an even number of games played between opponents. The days of losing because your opponent's players simply had more scheduled games to play in that week are over. The days of mindless daisy busy, excuse me, the days of mindless daily busy work are over. The days of giving up halfway through the season because of that busy work also over. In game picks, you pick one game per week for each player based on player matchups, home versus away, opponent's defensive rankings, pace of play, and more. All that adds up to more strategy and less busy work. Whether you redraft, Keeper or Dynasty Game Picks has you covered. Sleeper cracked the fantasy basketball code. If you play fantasy football, if you prefer building out a weekly strategy versus daily busy work, you're going to love Game Picks. Download the Sleeper app and start a league with your friends today. You will not be disappointed. 
And today's show is also brought to you by Sweatblock. And if if I haven't hammered this home point enough, I am a sweaty individual. Even with the weather starting to cool down a little bit now, you know, in the as long as it's still t-shirt weather, I will still, without the help of any perspirant, be sweating through the armpits of my t-shirt. It's just uh, it's just how I operate. I, I don't know. I wish my body was different, but you only get the one you got. You know what I mean? So the best I can do at this point is find amazing products like Sweatblock to help combat that innate sweatiness that I deal with. And Sweatblock wipes have really been life-changing compared to other antiperspirants that I've used. You don't have to apply it daily. Sweatblock wipes are super easy. You just, it's, it, looks like a little alcohol wipe almost. You pull it out of the package, you dab it on your underarms and make sure to you know get full coverage there. Then you just toss the wipe, you sleep on it overnight, and then in the morning, wash off all the excess and boom, your armpits are sweat-free for up to a week. And it's honestly, I can't say enough about how effective sweat block has been for me as someone who has tried probably no fewer than 15 to 20 different brands of antiperspirant, you know, deodorant, sticks, gels, whatever else in my life. This has been pretty life-changing for me. And Sweatblock is doctor-created and doctor-recommended. It works for up to seven days per use again, and it comes with the dry shirt guarantee. If Sweatblock doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. They're also the best seller on Amazon for the past 10 years with over 13,000 reviews, and they're currently number one in Amazon's antiperspirant category. So wear what you want to wear with Sweatblock. It can be your little secret to confidence. You don't have to choose that black shirt anymore. You can go with the gray one and not have to worry about sweating through it. It's a pretty nice feeling, I can tell you from experience. So if you want to get some Sweatblock wipes for yourself, get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with promo code locked on or at Amazon and CVS. All right, so Gavin, you hinted at it. Uh, I, I had a, a thought. And this has been a, a pervasive thought with me lately with Obi Toppin, and I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just that, you know, the way that Obi played last year versus how Kevin Knox has played previously just kind of made me think, like, is Obi Toppin more like a Kevin Knox than a, I mean, <laughs> it's funny. We, we talk about all the time the <laughs> if we could go back and listen to our shows from last year, you know, or like go tell our last year selves what we're thinking now about these players. We would be like, are you freaking nuts? Like our past version of ourselves would be like that. Like with the Julius Randle now being an all NBA player and like a steal at five years, a hundred and something million dollars. Um, you know, all these various things that that now, you know, seem totally normal when last year we were, you know, angling for Obi to get more minutes. Because we we're like, wow, offensively, you know, for all the things we don't like about him offensively, he could be like, you know, rookie Amari Stoudemire or something. Um, you know, I don't think that came to fruition. So I guess that, that my long-winded way of getting into this is, is is Obi more the idealized version of what we were looking for from Kevin Knox, more so than this like Amari Stoudemire type guy that we were looking at before that's more of a more of a forward center? Is he actually more of like a combo forward? Because the way that the Knicks used him last year you know, A, the things that we thought were going to happen out of college happened, you know, based off all the scouting reports that we had from various people that we had on the show and and that we had done ourselves, you know, of he he was getting bullied in the post by bigger players. He can't he can't match up against the biggest guys in the league. If you put him against Joel Embiid or something like that, he's going to get eaten up 
all day, every day for the rest of the time. Even if you put him up against someone who's who's on the smaller side, I don't know, like uh, uh, let's put it this way. I think that he would even struggle with, say, like Porzingis, who I think that we could still say to this day is one of the weakest big men as far as like big man strength in the NBA. I, I think Obi would still struggle mightily with a guy like Porzingis, even if their heights were equal. Um, so, you know, there's that to deal with. There's, you know, just the fact that they didn't really use him in his pick and roll capacity. You know, they didn't use him as a lob threat because the whole rest of the team is lob threats at the, at the five spot. So even with Julius Randle, you know, he made his living in the mid range and from three and didn't get to the rim that often because you pretty much always had, you know, one of Mitchell Robinson, Nerlens Noel or Taj Gibson kind of hanging around the hoop ready for those inside buckets. And that's just sort of how the offense works. Uh, under Tibbs and it's not like you can put Obi in that rim running capacity because as stated you know he can't keep up with bigs on the other end and you know I'd thrown out if you want to talk about other pass takes I mean I'd thrown out there that I thought that Kevin Knox if he hit his ceiling could potentially be a Rashard Lewis type and Rashard Lewis was more of a a flex 3-4 that was tall and was pretty decent on defense um or borderline elite at times. I mean, Richard Lewis was a really, really good defender at one point in his career, but mostly he was out there to shoot three pointers and to cut to the hoop a little bit. And I, I kind of see some of that in Obi now, but I, I'll throw that to you now, Gavin. Like, what do you think about that comparison? Cause I, again, like I said, it's been in my head a lot lately. I might've even mentioned it on here once or twice, but that kind of feels like that's more who we should be comparing Obi to at this point than, than like a forward center combo player. Yeah, I think the only thing I'd say is I was probably higher on Kevin Knox's ceiling than I am Obi's now. Like I thought, it, it, the, you know what the the, weir- the truly weirdest part of this conversation is that Obi is literally older than Kevin Knox. But um, I, I was going to say, uh, when, when I thought uh, Knox was on an all-star trajectory, which I very famously projected in like uh, my second ever podcast here with, uh, with our guy, Jonathan Macri, um, I, I saw like a multi-dimensional three-level scorer, like someone who, who was absolutely dynamic in transition, like maybe one of the great transition threats in the NBA at his peak, like a plus three-point shooter, like plus handle, mid-range game. And, and just even if, he, even if he never got like incredibly crafty around the rim, just big enough to take contact and, and finish um, over and around guys. And obviously uh, less than 0% of that has come to fruition for Kevin Knox. Um, and Obi, I see what you mean in terms of like the basest outline. I guess like the comparison I'd almost make is like what I was hoping for Knox when he started off well last year and was shooting threes at a high rate um, with, with a bit more rim running. I, I, I certainly see it in terms of like three point capacity and volume. I, I guess the biggest question to me would be just how far Obi can come off the dribble because right now, like like there were there were moments um, in summer league where he showed like little little flashes of that, which are which is really, really big for him because last year, the like his only move seemingly from college was that he could just bully people in the Atlantic 10. And then he gets to the NBA and all of a sudden, like like everyone like Duncan Robinson and up like w- was stronger than him and would just would just rip the ball from him or, or he wouldn't he wouldn't get an inch on them or, or defensively to your point, like they would just mow him over. Um, so I think that's really the capacity where he has to make a leap. And he's clearly he's clearly gotten better there. But I'm I'm interested. My my whole thing is like, how much of summer league translates? How much of practice translates? Like, who was the? I think the quote was from LeBron recently, where like he tweeted something like, 
like I'm mad guys like work on stuff all the times in practice and then never use it in games. It's because like it takes sometimes like years and years of practice reps to get something up to game speed, like NBA game speed. Like of course these guys are playing pickup with randos. They could they could do everyone can do crazy shit. Who's in the NBA? But for Obi, like for him to be able to like handle against NBA defenses, that's maybe even a step up from where he is now. Maybe that's another year away. But it's certainly something that he's working on. And like the fact that it had some modicum of success in summer league lets you know in the right situation. Like like let's just say it becomes a thirty seven percent three point shooter, and all of a sudden you have to do hard closeouts to Obi Toppin. He can drive a closeout and like drive and maybe dunk on someone or or make the next pass because he's he's a brilliant passer. And I, I think his handle and his shot are the keys to unlocking that passing and making that a bigger part of his game. So I, th- I think it's an interesting comp, and I, I think it's it's one that leads us in some interesting directions in terms of where OB ultimately has to go. Yeah, I I just, like, I don't know. He's becoming a very hard player to project, I think, because he clearly has skills, and I think Summer League showed that. And, you know, to your point, like, I think he showed a lot of improvement in Summer League, especially just with comfort level. And like, he had a quote recently with that too. I was, I was looking up while you were talking, just some of his, his quotes from the past week during, you know, media week and all that stuff. And he had a quote that was, that was pretty, pretty good for me. I think where he said during the second half of the season, after the all-star break, I started to feel a little bit more comfortable just because I felt a little more trust. I felt like people were like, okay, now Obi is going to make that shot. If I pass it to him in the corner or Obi is going to get this defensive stop. I felt more comfortable out on the floor and I felt like the players and coaches felt that too. I feel like that helped me and I couldn't find the exact quote, but I saw at some point um, that Tibbs said something similar. Um, Oh, here's, here's one. Uh, Tibbs said, there's a number of guys that when you look at their careers, they start off slowly and then they continue to get better. I look at a guy like Draymond Green and Jimmy Butler. Those guys came in, they were older rookies and they turned out pretty good. Even if the guy's an older rookie coming in, at the end of his rookie scale contract, he's heading into his prime. That's pretty good to me. So, I mean, it sounds like Tibbs has has pretty big plans for him. He might just be talking him up, um, you know, because what's he going to... I mean, Tibbs, Tibbs knows how to play the game at this point. It's not like he's going to say something uh, diminishing about Obi or something like that, especially because he knows, you know, hey, if there's a chance at getting a, a Jimmy Butler caliber player at some point this season, it's probably going to require Obi Toppin being in the package. Um you know, so I, I think that I think though still that Tibbs is going to look to get him involved somehow. I just don't know how it's going to be, but though I just keep thinking, and I mean, I don't think that I still think the four is the ideal position for Obi, but I, I just think when you have a Julius Randle in place who you want out there for 35, 36 minutes a game, particularly in games you're trying to win, you know, I can understand if the Knicks blow a team out or something. Yeah, sure. Like Tibbs should be a little a little better about sitting Julius down at like 30 minutes or so if the Knicks are blowing a team out this year and giving Obi Top an extra run at the four. But on an average night, you know, in a competitive game that the Knicks are playing where it's only, you know, a five-point game and you want to have Randall out there for as much as possible, it's it's hard to find those minutes for Obi because I, I just, I really, I think I was even angling for this as as recently as the end of the season, but I think a, an offseason just kind of gave me more clarity on how I feel about Obi at the five. And I just really, I don't, I don't think it's going to work. I mean, as much as it, I think I just kept trying to talk myself into it the whole season um, that like, no, this has to work. That's what he, that's what he was supposed to be coming out of college was a, like a four five hybrid. Like he's supposed to get some minutes at the five, blah, blah, blah. I, I don't, I just don't see it at this point. I don't think that big men 
are trending that small that you can afford to have Obi out there as your five. And you don't ideally want Randall out there as your five either, because I think Randall is way better as a very switchy four at this point where, you know, I would prefer having Randall out there as the four man and getting switched onto a two than I would having him out there trying to guard Joel Embiid one-on-one or something like that. And it just seems pointless when you have three extremely capable center defenders on the Knicks to play exactly how Tibbs wants a center to play to give Obi run at that position. So, you know, that just kind of leads me to, well, you know, Obi, Obi did per that uh, B-ball index stat spend some time defending threes last year. And, uh, you know, to my eye, did a pretty decent job at it. And he did a good job of fours as well. So, you know, maybe just throw him out there as a as a three and just see how it goes. I mean, that that might be the best way to get him some playing time. And if you're essentially on offense, just going to have him be a floor spacer anyway, then that's not that's not much different than having, you know, a uh, not that they're the same player at all, but like that's essentially what Reggie Bullock's role was. That's what Kevin Knox's role was at his best. That's what you would figure Quentin Grimes is going to do this year. So if that's what Obi's role is in the offense, but he has those surprisingly good finishing numbers around the rim and has shown a decent ability to cut and also is really great in transition, then maybe that's something you give a shot. I don't know. Um, I'll let you rebut to that, Gavin, too. But first, I do have to remind everybody that today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. You guys know the drill. There's all these makes and models of cars. So many. I mean, thousands, literally. So auto parts stores, they can't stock all the parts that you need in that storefront. You've been to those stores. They're tiny. There's one in my town. You know, I won't name the name because they don't deserve the publicity. Rock Auto does. But, you know, one of those one of those name brand auto stores, you go there and like the storefront is so small and they have a little storage area in the back. But there's no way. Again, thousands of cars, potentially. There's no way they can stock all the parts that you need. You go up to the counter, they ask you all these questions that you don't know the answer to, that you don't need to know the answer to, to get the part that you literally know that you need. And then when they finally give you the price, you do a little recoil and say, oh, I didn't know it was going to cost that much. And then they tell you it's going to take like three days to get shipped from their warehouse to their little storefront for you to come pick up a few days later. You could really just avoid all this hassle and save a ton of money by just going to rockauto.com. Like, why would you want to spend 30%, 50%, or even 100% more for the same parts from that chain store when you could just order them right from the comfort of your home on rockauto.com and get it shipped directly to your door? You already know what parts you need. You don't need the assistance. Just get it shipped to your house. That's the way to be. On top of it, Rock Auto is a family business. They've been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, and they're always invested in making sure that you get the lowest price and the best service on the parts that you need. So if you want to check out what's available for your car truck, go to rockauto.com right now and take a look. And if you decide to pick up a part for your project, get those get those projects done now because it's we're almost to the cold weather months. You don't want to be out there in the cold working on your car. If you decide to get some parts right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on for another football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this year. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. 
from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. Yeah, so Alex, to the point on Obi Toppin at small forward. I don't know. To me, like it, it, it circles back to to what I was saying before. Basically, like like how how skillful can he get, and and can he and like can he guard threes at the other end? Like, and I don't know the answers to those things, but I, I think as he like ascends into his prime, that that'll all be a little bit more feasible. I also wanted to get to, to the last question you'd written down here. Um, are his best years going to be on another team now that Julius is locked up as the franchise player for another? decade i'm gonna say yeah i think so i think eventually he he's sort of the obvious trade ship that the knicks should keep pushing to get a heck of a lot better and i absolutely believe he's going to be a fan favorite and maybe that will dissuade them from from being overly interested in moving him just in like a a singular one-to-one trade but whenever the knicks do push their chips in and make that big picture trade it doesn't even have to be the trade for a star it could be that they get that star in free agency, but then, all right, we got to go find that elite role player, that Robert Covington type guy. Who do we have to deal for him? Oh, Obi Toppin. He's he's kind of um, he's kind of excessive on this team. We, we don't really need him when Julius is, is roaming around for 38 minutes a night. So let's make that move. And I think that there's just, there's too many configurations of a deal that he would, it would make sense to have him as a piece in um, for him to be on this team indefinitely. But, but what was your take on that? Um, I kind of think, yeah, I I feel like Obi's best years might end up being on another team too. It's I feel like this front office is going to feel like they're in a really tough spot as far as that's concerned because there is obviously some family ties to Obi as far as Leon Rose is concerned. His son represents him at CAA now. I mean, that's the fabled CAA connection that everybody likes to make fun of as far as the the Knicks' new front office. It's like really the only thing that you can really kneel them about at this point. And honestly, it's worked out okay for them so far. So I really, I don't, I have problems looking at it as a negative, but you know, I do think that there's a certain attachment that comes with having a guy be your guy, you know? And and I don't think that the front office or Tibbs or anybody thought Julius Randall was going to take the leap that he did last year. And that sort of accelerated the timeline for what Leon Rose and company have been trying to do probably made the Kemba walk actually not even probably definitely made the Kemba walking Walker signing possible um, and various other things, you know, as far as this team, it probably made the Fournier signing possible too. I mean, I don't think this team is anywhere near where it is right now. Personnel wise, if Randall didn't make the leap that he made last year Um, and nobody saw it coming, it it seriously came completely out of left field. And I think that kind of screwed up their plans. You know, I, I, I do believe that their plan was probably to feature Randall for a bit. And then if he still looked basically like he did in 1920 to flip him somewhere by the trade deadline last year and then start featuring Obi as their long-term solution at the power forward going forward by mid season. And, you know, that all went out the window and Randall was as good as he is. And now is locked in as the, the face of the franchise for, you know, at least another six years or so. Um, so, you know, there's going to be people that if Obi gets traded and it's not as part of a package for like a megastar, like as you said, if there's like a Robert Covington or something like that that becomes available, that's just like one of those really good role players. And actually, Covington is sort of a, a decent comp for what Obi could maybe become as well if he can pack on a little more strength. But um, that's besides the point. Anyway, um, like, 
you know, if, if he gets traded for a player like that, some people might consider that a failure on the part of the front office of like, oh, you use this top eight pick and all you managed to do was trade him for a good role player. Um, but I don't, I don't think the Knicks should hesitate if that sort of thing comes up. And, you know, they uh, hopefully this front office and, you know, again, everything is a wait and see thing. You know, everything has been wait and see so far and thus far on all the other tests that, you know, we've put this front office up to uh, as far as <laughs> tests of our scale of what's a good way to do things and what's not a good way to do things. I think they've passed on all of them with pretty much flying colors. So there's no reason to believe that they won't handle this properly when the time comes around. But I think that the important thing is just they're going to have to detach themselves from where Obi was drafted, the relationship that they have with him on a personal level and all this other stuff and make the right move when the time comes. And and I do think that that might end up with Obi ending up on another team because at a certain point too, Obi is probably going to find himself. Maybe it's not this year, but maybe by like next year or even by the final year of his rookie contract, maybe quietly telling the Knicks like, Hey, if Julius is going to be here soaking up, 35 minutes a night at my position for the entire time that I'm here, then, you know, I'm not interested in, in waiting around for the time when Julius isn't a Nick anymore, because quite frankly, because of how old Obi was coming into the league, there's only about three, three and a half years of difference in age between the two. So really like even their primes are, you know, at more or less the same time frame. like Julius will be coming out of his prime at the same time that Obi will kind of be like in the middle of his. So it, it just kind of, it's a, it's a weird situation. And I do really believe that eventually Obi is going to find his, it, the most success that he finds in the NBA will be on another team. Um, how high he gets is a, a totally separate thing that I don't have the answer to. Uh, but I guess we'll see over time, you know, if slash when he ends up on another team, how well he ends up doing, but there are plenty of teams I'm sure that would be willing to take a shot on him, particularly if he plays like he did towards the end of last season and in the playoffs where he, he really seems like a, you know, a spark plug that can hit the three that can get to the rim and that sort of thing. Uh, and maybe on other teams where they have more of a spacing center that, you know, can get outside for the three, you could use Obi's rim running a little more. Um, you know, if you get him on a team like that, then maybe he will flourish someday. And be like, I don't know about an all-star type player in the league, but certainly, you know, I think there there are there is the blueprint of a guy that could be a starting NBA power forward for a long time uh, in Obi there, and I just don't think he's going to be able to find that on the Knicks. And at a certain point, they might just opt to, you know, have a mutual parting of ways as a result. But yeah, I don't, I don't know if you have anything else to add on that, Gavin. But that's that's basically my stance on it. I, and I don't even know what the right team would be. I feel like, honestly, I think the the real answer is just that at a certain point, the Knicks are going to take a swing at a star trade and he's going to be part of that. So I, I don't even think that the whole him being, you know, shipped off for like a high level role player is going to come to pass because I think that the Knicks already on the team right now as it's constructed and via the contracts that they have signed right now, they have high level role players already on the team. So I just feel like the only shakeup that's going to get Obi off this team the next couple of years will probably be in exchange for a star, which will probably serve both goals of, you know, getting the Knicks uh, the big time player that they want. And also from an Obi perspective, he'll probably be happy about it as well. 
even if he'll, you know, publicly, and I'm sure he loves playing for the Knicks because he's a hometown kid and all that stuff. Um, and, you know, I guess that shouldn't be forgotten in the sense that maybe he would be happy to just play behind Julius Randle his whole career if it meant being a Nick. But, you know, if he cares about advancing his career and advancing his standing in the league, working towards his next contract and all that stuff, uh, I think as soon as next year, he might start privately telling the Knicks, like, hey, I, you know, I think I'd like to go to another team. Um and, you know, feel free to include me in a trade package if you want, because I, I just want to go somewhere where I can I can be featured a little more. And I, I don't think it would be a, a bad blood sort of thing at all. It would be a very mutual parting of ways between the two in the next couple of years. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I'd love to see him on a team with with the center that can shoot threes. And, and who knows, maybe maybe Nerlens Noel comes out this year and, and all of a sudden it's a Kyle Korver-esque sniper and, and we, we really get to see that dream. But yeah, a, a great point guard and, and a three-point shooting center. Like some quick options like Indiana with Miles Turner, Malcolm Brogdon, that would be pretty interesting. Uh, Memphis with John Morant and Jaron Jackson spacing the floor and providing some rim protection uh, behind him on the other end, Golden State with Steph, and I know Draymond can't really shoot anymore, but but either Draymond or, or maybe Wiseman turns into a decent three point shooter. Like all, all those options are are really really good. Like like I'm just imagining him like Obi setting screens for Steph forty feet away from the rim, and defenses scrambling to double Steph while someone's trying to rotate over and stop Obi going at like twenty miles per hour towards the basket from getting a lob. Uh, that would that would be pretty scary and, uh, and deadly. So uh, yeah, I, I, I think I think there are teams out there where he could he could kind of be what he was promised out of college and like probably a near twenty point score on really really high efficiency. That that's going to take some other jumps in his game just because he's not he's not going to get nine lobs a game no matter what team is on. But um, I, I I could potentially see that for him and with with some solid defense if if everything comes to fruition because. I, I don't I don't want to come out of this podcast being like overly positive on him. Like there are still some issues there. Like I was I was kind of surprised in summer league at how poor his finishing was at times, like relative to the competition. And I think that I, there there are people who are much more knowledgeable on this, but I think that might be like a, still a lower body strength thing, or or maybe just a lack of touch or, or, or focus around the rim. But generally, those those things those things are good for him. So I, I wasn't really sure how to diagnose that, but there's. There's still a lot of areas for him to get better. Like he was, he was kind of a broken offensive player when he came into the NBA, which was which was a shock because he was supposed to be the quote unquote most offensive, uh, like most NBA ready offensive player in last year's draft, or at least in the top two or three. And that was it was really really ugly early in the year. Like there there was a reason we were we were both so pessimistic about that pick, and then he came on in the playoffs, but. His like go to move. I gotta think at some point people are gonna start catching on that he that he's not gonna do the dribble handoff. He's always gonna fake it and then try and get to the rim, um, or or at least always be conscientious of that of that possibility. Like I, I don't know how much longer you get by on that, and and if that stops working for him with a little more tape on it, all of a sudden like he's gonna have to have that handled because he last year he was he was sort of beating people by guile um, with, with that exaggerated fake, and he didn't really have another answer if a defender didn't bite on it. So. I'm interested to see how he develops. I think he's a fascinating case. I I, I love him as a human being, and uh, I'm I'm super excited to watch him play this year. Yeah, I I feel the same way. Um, <laughs> I will say, out of those options that you threw out there for potential teams, I just <laughs> I chuckled to myself a little bit at the Memphis one because I was like, that team would get zero rebounds. It would be very fun to watch on offense, though. Him yeah. and Jaron Jackson, though, Jaron Jackson can't get rebounds for anything, so that would be like. <laughs> They would just get murdered on the glass if they were facing like a Joel Embiid or something. 
anyway, uh, the yeah, in general though, I, I I do hope that you know I I definitely want success for him, and I and I want him to to find his way. If he can find his way on the Knicks somehow, again, you know, maybe it is as a three, which would be weird, but maybe it would work. Um, you know, if he can if he could find that with the Knicks and and find a way to become a you know a steady rotation player playing like twenty minutes a game or something between the backup power forward and the small forward spot, then cool. I mean, I, I'm totally down for it. Um I think just my realistic part of my brain doesn't see it happening. But no matter what, he's one of those guys that's sort of like sort of like Frank, uh, in the sense that no matter where Obi ends up, I, I'll definitely always be rooting for him too, because I, I think he is a really good dude. And, you know, he works really hard and um I think he'll no, no matter where his career takes him, he'll end up finding some measure of success because just like most of the guys on this Knicks team, he just works way too hard to to not find some level of success at some point. Um, but anyway, I think we can wrap up this Obi Toppin season preview episode. So we will be back tomorrow to do another preview. We're going to do a couple guards tomorrow. Uh, Deuce McBride and Luca Vildoza, two guys that are brand new to the team, both technically rookies. Vildoza is a, a different type of rookie, but uh, two rookies coming in and uh, two guys that have a really tough road to finding playing time. So we're going to talk a little bit about what they'll need to do to accomplish that and a bunch of other things on tomorrow's show. But until next time, peace out. Talk to you all soon and uh, start getting ready for games too because we got preseason games coming up very soon. 